You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. everybody and welcome to the Health Hub. My name is Kathy Biasse and I'm here with our producer Alex Diaz. Good morning Alex. Good, good morning Kathy. How How's are everything? you? Oh well double question. I'm good. How are you? Excellent. That's good. That's good. We're nice in a to really be here. Room today. Very bright room today. Yes but they are they are bright. Yeah they are bright. They are bright. Oh it's fun though. Um, we're talking today about something that has it's, it's been of interest to me for a while. It's something that I you know, we take things for granted, I think, or maybe I, I'm speaking too broadly for everybody. I take things for granted, and what I'm talking about in this show is bees and honeybees. And, you know, the show today is going to have sort of a dual purpose, and one is to introduce you to some some bee products and, and explain about um, things that the bees make for us that we can use in our, in our health regime. But also, um, and maybe even more importantly, is to perhaps give you a sense of the dangers that some that our bees and and actually butterflies as well are are having in the environment these days. Um, I was you know it was pretty much brought to light to me by David Suzuki. I read something and then I saw um, a documentary that he did and you know I know bees are pollinators but I, I you know I I guess I took for granted how vastly important the honeybee is for our crops, right. our food chain. And it's, um, you know, it really brought to light. And then when he started talking about the dangers that our honeybees are in, it, you know, it, it made me step back and think. And, you know, I, I kind of pride myself on being on, you know, on top of, of certain things. And I was, you know, very not on top of this area. Right. Um, you know, I love honey. Do you use honey? Yes, I use honey quite often. In the morning when I have oatmeal, I add it to that. And I just recently uh, had it in a, a chicken dish that I tried out. It was quite nice. It is quite nice. It's a lovely flavor. But I've also started, you know, since I became involved with uh, nutrition and, and guiding people along nutrition paths, I do a lot of research on, on foods and the health benefits of honey of things like bee propolis that we'll learn about. It's it's quite amazing. And I think that we really need to take a step back and understand the process and understand the importance of what's going on with our pollinators. You know, we rely on, on pollination for it, you know, anything, you know, apples, tomatoes, coffee. They... To, to understand the, and the magnitude of how vitally important these bees are to us and to our environment is something that I feel is important to bring to light. Mm-hmm. So as I said, we'll, this will be a dual purpose. We have uh, Sandy Dickey on, and I'll introduce you to her in a minute. But she's going to, to broaden our understanding of how the hives work, um, the products that we get from the bees, 
why it's important to have local honey, all of these things, as well as give us some insight into what she feels are threatening our bees, um, our bees in the environment today. So as I mentioned, we're speaking with Sandy Dickey, and she is from Dickey Bee Honey. And the love of bees is deeply rooted in the Dickey family. Dickey Bee is a fourth-generation family business that was started in the early 1930s by George Dickey. And when Sandy and her husband, Peter Dickey, took over the family business, they relocated to Innisfil in 2000. Today, the business is continuing to grow. They have recently built a brand new honey house and a teaching facility. And this new facility allows them to produce, package, and distribute products to their distributors. And Dickey Bee offers workshops, school tours, and beekeeping classes. And this is something that um, I really do want to follow through with. You know, we're hearing... I, I see it all the time now. I had friends who told us that their friends are starting beehives in their backyard. Mm-hmm. I've read of companies that will rent out beehives and come, you know, and, and facilitate them for you. So it is something that is current, and I think we need to get a good understanding. So when we get back from break, we're going to be talking with Sandy Dickey about bees. Sings of your great name. 
Listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody, to The Health Hub. Um, we are taping this show today, so unfortunately, no call ins, but you can reach us on Instagram at The Health Hub RMC. You can tweet at me at Kathy underscore Biasi. We are also on Facebook, and you can find us at The Health Hub Radio Maria. Or if you have further questions that you would like us to answer or put through to our guest, Sandy, email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. Any of these um, vehicles will get information to us, and we will get it out to our guests and um, give you any information that you might need. We also populate the sites with some interesting things, so do follow us. It's, uh, it's a fun thing to have uh, people engage with us. We do enjoy it. So as mentioned before the break, our guest today is Sandy Dickey. Sandy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kathy. Good morning. Good morning. I just want to read something that I pulled off of your website, and we're going to start from there because, as I said, I you know I was really truthful in the fact that I was remiss not understanding the the true value of the honeybee. You know, there you just assume honey comes from a jar, and you know you don't really think twice of it. I think, but honeybees, um, uh, this is from your website, play an indispensable role in the pollination of our essential crops. And they're responsible for the health of $170 million worth of crops in Ontario. That's a fascinating and outstanding number. Well, that is so true. And just to make it a little bit easier, because those numbers have probably changed. They've probably actually gone up. So every third teaspoon of uh, food that you eat has has to be pollinated by a honeybee. Every third teaspoon? Every third teaspoon of honey. Fascinating. Or every every teaspoon of food that you eat. Every third teaspoon will be pollinated by the honeybee. Wow. It's, it's, you know, as I said, I watched this David Suzuki thing and read some more about it, and I was just, I was mesmerized. Why are they so important? Why are honeybees so important for our food chain? Well, if we don't have the honeybees so that they can actually pollinate those apples, those blueberries, like some of the fruits and vegetables that you had mentioned in, your, in the beginning of your show... Um, if they don't do this pollination process, then that, that crop can't bear a fruit or a vegetable. So there would be none. So there would be none. So then what is threatening our population? Well, there's a couple of things. Um, you know, the last few years we've had to deal with some neonicotinoid issues that, um, you know, kind of just added to some of the problems that we will have with the honeybee. We've always dealt with mites. Uh, we've always dealt with a couple of different uh, viruses. Um, that we seem to be able to control, but in the last few years, some pesticide problems, definitely. Mm-hmm. So I guess you have to be, you, uh, you know, maybe you can set up the, the, give us a setup of what 
your honeybee farm looks like? Because I'm assuming that you have to have a pretty good relationship with your farmers around you and an understanding of what they're doing on their properties. Well, you know, it's a great relationship. The farmers need pollination for some of their crops, um, especially the apple farmers, most of the fruit farmers, and, of course, the vegetable farmers. So it's a great um, it, it's a great relationship. They need the bees, and then in return, our bees get this beautiful apple blossom or whatever they can pollinate. So it's actually a win-win. So great relationship between the bee farmer and the other crop farmers. Well, how do you set up the hives? Um, as far as what a hive looks like? Yeah, and, and yeah. you know, are they, are they manipulated, or do you let the bees sort of come naturally to a spot, and then you, you know, you facilitate the health of, of the hive? How do you start these hives? Well, the general rule of thumb for pollination, Kathy, is that one hive anywhere, so one hive will consist of between 65 and 80,000 bees for one hive. So the general rule is for one acre of of crop that needs pollination, one hive can handle one acre. So if it's a six-acre apple orchard, um, you know, the minimum requirement would be six hives. But most of our apiaries or most of our locations will have anywhere between 25 to 30 hives on site at all times. How far will the bees travel? Yeah, the bees will travel up to three, three to five miles, depending on what where what they're looking for or what they can find. Three to five miles. There's, it, it doesn't seem like that far of a, an area. Well, that's probably not the right way to say it. Not that far an area to travel, but I don't see a lot of beehives out. Well, you probably won't see a lot. People constantly ask us, where are your hives? And when we tell them where they are, they'll go, really? I never see them. No, hives are not something that are sitting right at the side of the road usually. There's a selection process. We have to protect them from the west wind, yet they need some sun. So we'll pick some pretty ideal, perfect spots for our hives to, to be located. Once we locate them, we leave them there. We don't transport them. They stay there for, for their duration uh, year in and year out. And do you have to maintain the hives, or are these all, you know, the bees maintain them without any sort of human intervention? Well, no, I always call myself a a beekeeper assistant because, you know, the bees are, well, you know, they're pretty miraculous in everything they do. Um, We're there just to assist to help the queen and the rest of the hive, you know, by putting on extra boxes, giving them room, uh, making sure that we've picked a great selection for them so they can go out and there's lots of forage for them. So... When I was in elementary school, I learned that there was a queen and there were drones, and that's about the extent that I know of a hive. So maybe you can give us uh, an idea of how the, the hive operates, what the queen actually does, all of those aspects. Well, I remember you said at the very beginning of the show that, you know, really, um, it's not your lack of not knowing. I don't ever think that honeybees were part of the curriculum growing up, you know, in the good old days. It wasn't, uh, I don't think it was an important part of the curriculum. So one of the things that we did here is we became a teaching facility so that we can actually have the school system, the kids come and learn all about the importance of the honeybee. So we talk about the honeybee family. We talk about the queen. You know, her sole responsibility is to lay eggs and to populate. We talk about the worker bee, which is the female bee, and her job's inside and outside the hive. And then we talk about the drone bee, which is the male member of the family. So when we talk about the honeybee family, it actually relates to your family. You know, all the people that live in your family, the jobs, the responsibilities, everything that everybody has to do to maintain that household. So the bees are very close in, in the way that they have to manage their household, too. 
And the role of the queen, she never leaves the hive, is that right? Is that, am well, I remembering correctly? Well, the queen correctly? will leave the hive. Every once in a while we may, may see a queen swarm, and it's for several different reasons. We haven't given her enough room. We're not being a very good beekeeper. Um, sometimes, especially this year, we've dealt with a pretty wet spring and a pretty wet summer, and she's, she's blocked in, and she's just had enough, and she takes off. But for the most part, the queen will, will remain and stay in the hive, and her job is to lay anywhere between 1,000 to 2,000 eggs a day, every day from the spring until the fall. What is her lifespan? Lifespan of a queen bee, well, we're hoping that we get at least a good two years out of her, but we've had queens where they've lasted three to four. How do you identify the queen amongst all those bees? Well, that's a really good question, and we get that all the time. Can you imagine opening a hive and seeing anywhere between sixty-five and 80,000 bees, and they all look pretty well the same? So we do actually mark our queen so that we can get in and out of the hive a little bit quicker. When we mark her, we actually mark her with a food-grade pen, and it's called an international marking system throughout the world. It tells us how old she is. Um, you know, for instance, in uh, this year, we, it's, um, if for 2017, it's actually yellow. So when we see a yellow marker or a yellow dot on the queen bee, we know that she's just a brand new queen this year. Other colors, such as white, will know that she's a year old. Red will know that she's two years old. So that makes it a little bit easier for us to manipulate when we get inside the hive. And she does; she is a little bit bigger than the rest of the bees, the worker bees. Do you ever get stung? Well, we do. Uh, most often, I have to tell you, it's self-induced. So most of the time that I get stung is actually going inside the hive and and pinching a, a you know a honeybee as I'm pulling up the frame. But for the most part, you know, it's just like everything else. They, they see you there. They feel you there. They smell you there. Um, you know, they know your presence. And as long as they feel that you're not bringing anything into them or any fear or whatever, they'll pretty well leave you alone. There are many different types of bees, correct? Many different types of bees, correct. Do they all pollinate? Well, the honeybees are the most, the most important species for pollination for our crops. There's many, many bees, though. Beautiful, um, big yellow and black bumblebees will do some pollination as well. As far as our other species of bees, they're not commonly known or considered part of the pollination of the, um, of the food chain. And they'll, they'll stay away from humans, really? The, the honeybees, I'm assuming, they've got no interest in being near us? Well, they don't really. It's just like everything else. You've heard that expression, they're as busy as bees. They've got a job to do. And if we're impeding in their way or whatever, then we're going to feel it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how can we support the bee population? Are there things we can plant, or is it more things that we shouldn't be doing to support them? Well, I think more than anything else, it's just we've become more and more aware, thanks to um, some positive media that's been out there, um, and educational courses, workshops, and people now get the idea. They get to understand how important the honeybee is, so just that understanding alone. And then with the losses that we've had the last few years, people are more more concerned, and they're planting beautiful wildflower gardens, which gives our honeybees some, some of the nectar and the pollen. So we, we thank the, the general public for, for being able to step up and, and supply beautiful gardens for our, our honeybees. So the honeybees will go to any flowering plant, is that correct? Absolutely, yeah. So would, you, would your honey, uh, or your honey and your honey products, I guess, um, taste different than some bees that live, you know, in a, a different province? 
Well, for sure. Yeah, here what we do is we pretty well group our honey because here in in what we call um, the uh, Simcoe County uh, Agricultural Hub of Ontario, we kind of just call our honey what we call a wildflower honey. So it's abundance. It's got alfalfa, it's got timothy, it's got clover. So it's not one single um, plant or flower that they're collecting nectar from, but it's several. So eating local honey, why do we always encourage people to eat local honey? Well, we encourage people to local, uh, eat local honey because it benefits them. Our honeybees are out collecting the nectars and the, and the pollens from the plants and the trees that surround us. So what it does is it actually builds up our immunity. So anybody that has a little bit of issues with some allergies or asthma or whatever is encouraged to eat local honey so that you can build up your immunity. Perfectly said. I try and say that all the time. I get fumbled up when I'm talking to people about honey. You know, people have this mis misconception that honey is just sugar, uh, another sweetener, and um, because obviously it does taste so sweet. So, try, you know, having people understand the, the real deep health benefits of honey is, um, is something that I, I'd like to get out to, to, to people. It's not just an alternative to sugar. It has very vital health benefits. It sure does, Kathy. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, the more that people understand the honeybees, you know, they're opening up and listening and understanding, you know, where where our honey comes from. It actually comes from the nectar of the flowers. And then the benefits are, like I said, eating the local honey. But then it's just an overall good choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, quite often now you'll I'll hear people come in and say, yep, I have allergies or asthma. My doctor wants me to get on local honey or local pollen. Yep, my little girl's got a really bad sore throat or a cough. My doctor tells me to give her a teaspoon of honey before she goes to bed. So, you know, more and more it's being introduced for all the wonderful benefits that honey is all about. So when we say local, what do you consider local? What would that radius be like? Ontario residents in Ontario honey or even smaller? Well, you know, we had this thing at one time where it says local was kind of like, you know, your 100-mile um, circle. But again, you know, we're, uh, we're an agricultural hub in Ontario from the east coast to the west coast, and it's pretty well the same. So, you know, I think Ontario honey is Ontario honey, and I think you can benefit wherever. Now, obviously in Ontario, we have summers, we have winters. I'm assuming that they can't pollinate during the colder seasons, or do they do other activities to keep the hive going? Yeah, so what happens is um, as the cooler weather comes in September, most of us have taken off our honey supers, um, that are the honey supers that the bees have collected honey for us. And then what we'll do is uh, the queen will stop her laying process, and her last set of eggs that she lays, those bees will remain with her over the winter. And they'll kind of, they, they won't leave the hive. There will be no more honey collection. There'll be no more pollen collection. So once we take the supers off now in September, any honey that they collect right now, lots of goldenrod or whatever, they'll collect and they'll store in the hive. And that will be their food um, for the winter time. So the honey, uh, getting just listening to what you're saying about, yeah, obviously plants flower at different times of year. So your honey is always changing in its nutritional component? Um, yes and no. We pretty well get clover, alfalfa, and timothy right from the start. Early season, it's dandelion. It's going to make the honey taste different. Um, you know, later in the fall or summer right now, it's been feeling like fall, but it actually still is summer. There's a great deal of goldenrod out there. You'll see it wherever you go. Goldenrod is still a very nutritious honey. It's just a whole different flavored honey. There's a little bit of a bitterness to it. 
so we make sure we take all our honey supers off. But the nutritional value pretty well remains the same, whatever, whatever they're collecting. How do you harvest the honey? Well, that's really good, Kathy. I invite you to come on in. <laughs> I want to. On you. We'll throw a lab jacket <laughs> on you and we'll put you to work. <laughs> okay. I might try and come up, uh, you know, hopefully this fall. Well, I hope so. Yeah. Um, we're actually taking all our honey supers off next week, so we've got about two and a half months worth of uh, extracting to do. So pop in any time. We'll put you to work. Um, what we do is we actually have what we call an extracting room. So it's uh, a room where we actually bring the honey supers in, and uh, we extract the honey from all of the frames, and um, that way we then store it in barrels, and then uh, we'll jar it as we need to pack orders. What, I need to ask a question. What are the, the supers that you're talking about? Supers. Supers are actually, you asked me a question before, and I'm not sure I really answered it. So what a hive looks like. The bottom box is actually called a brood box. Brood box is where the queen will go in. She'll lay her eggs. We'll give her one to two brood boxes, whatever amount of room that she needs. After that, we actually put on a screen. A screen is called a queen excluder. And that's exactly for the purpose. We're going to exclude the queen from coming up into any more boxes. So we put a queen excluder on, and then we put another box on. And actually, that box is called a super. A super is where they're going to store the, the nectar to turn into honey that we get to eat. So a hive can actually have one super on it. It could have as many as five or six, depending on what, where they are and how much they're getting to collect. Um, so that's what a super is. The supers are actually the, the boxes filled with honey for us to eat. Okay. And on that note, I think we're going to take a quick break. And then when we get back, I, we're going to continue with this conversation for sure. But I'd like to get into some of the bee products that you, you sell and the health benefits that they have for us. So we'll be taking a quick break, um, and we'll talk to you in a couple of minutes. Cause we all make mistakes sometimes And we all step across that line But nothing sweeter than the day we find We find it's hanging over him like the clouds of Seattle It raining on his swag, falling deeper in the saddle It's written on his face, he don't have to speak a sound Somebody call the 5 oh, we got a man down Now you can go and play it like you're all rock and roll But guilt does a job on each and every man's soul And when your head hits the pillow at the nightfall You can bet your life that it's gonna be a fight, y'all Cause we all make mistakes sometimes And we've all stepped across that line Nothing sweeter than the day we find Forgiveness, forgiveness And we all stumble and we fall Bridges burn in the heat of it all Nothing sweeter than the day Sweeter than the day we call Out for forgiveness We all need, we all need We all need forgiveness We all need, we all need Mr. Lecrae, uh Mama told me what I would be in for If I kept all the anger inside of me pent up My heart been broken, my wounds been open And I don't know if I can hear I'm sorry being spoken But those forgiven much should be quicker to give it And God forgave me for it all, Jesus bled forgiveness So when the stones fly and they aim at you Just say forgive them, Father, they know not what they do now you can go and play it like you're all rock and roll But kill does a job on each and every man's soul And when your head is the pillow with the knife on You can bet your life that it's gonna be a fight, yo. Cause we all make mistakes sometimes And we've all stepped across that line But nothing sweeter than the day we find Forgiveness, forgiveness And we 
we need that, that, hey yeah, let's talk to you. No matter how lost you are, you're not that far, you're not too far. No matter how hurt you are, you're not that far, you're not too far. Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email healthhub at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, before break, we were talking to Sandy Dickey from Dickey Bee Honey about we were trying to get into a little bit more of the, the actual product. So I think we've given, we, maybe we frame the show nicely with an understanding of how the hive works, the importance of, of bees in our food chain. So now, Sandy, maybe we can start talking about your business, why you actually, um, I know it's a family-run business, but how, how the business started. And let's really take a deep dive into a lot of the products that, um, that you that you can get from a hive other than honey. This may be some new information for people. But, um, again, how did this business start for, for your family? Well, it's not actually my family. It was my husband's family that started it. My husband is a fourth-generation beekeeper. And um, Pete's dad, uh, third generation, became ill in uh, early 2000s and asked Pete if he would be interested in taking over the business, Pete being my husband. And at that time, we were both working full-time and thought, hmm, I wonder if this is something we really want to go through. But, yeah, let's, let's try it and see how it goes. And I think from that day forward, uh, we've never looked back. So, and how, how has the business evolved since from you taking it over? Have you, um, have you changed the format? Have you stuck to a good, a good philosophy of the business as it was and just stuck to what you were brought into the business as? Or are you, are you bringing more aspects into, into your company? 
Well, you know, when we took the business over, it was just actually selling a little bit of liquid honey and cream honey. But, you know, the more that I got involved and uh, the more I actually got myself educated, I thought this is a whole different aspect of what we can do with this business here. So one of the things that I thoroughly enjoyed was taking on the aspect of making it a teaching facility. So a teaching facility, so we partnered with the school board. The kids come here. They learn about the importance of the honeybees. Um, and every time I have a school bus leave, um, I just have a real good sense in my heart that this is something that uh, we were meant to do. But as I'm speaking to you, Kathy, I have a busload of tours, uh, a tour bus here with 60 people. And they're learning all about the importance of the honeybees and, um, you know, their importance for us, the food chain, and every one of them are in awe. And, um, you know, just educating them and having some fun doing it along the way. And they all leave with a real great sense uh, of uh, respect for the honeybee and uh, have enjoyed their tour immensely. Well, you know, it is important for that learning piece. Some people think bees are a bit of a nuisance. And I think once you start getting the, you know, the feel of, of how important they are, they don't become a nuisance anymore. People are afraid of being stung. You know, they, they group them in with the hornets and other things like that. But it is important to teach people because it, it filters or fosters uh, respect for, for the bee. Oh, one of the best things to do is to actually have live bees on site only have students here so that they can actually know and see what a honeybee looks like. Um, you know, because most often we just group bees or bees and, and, you know, they're all annoying or a nuisance. Mm -hmm. And like you said, all of us have been stung. Um, it's a little bit painful, but you know, when you start to distinguish how important they are and, and, um, you know, the kids get it, um, they get what a honeybee looks like. So now they're definitely armed with a little bit more education. So if they see one flying, uh, they see one in the garden, um, they know to leave it alone. And they, to take an appreciation of what they're doing, I took a video last summer. I was sitting uh, in my backyard, and there was a plant beside me, or flower, and this bee was just buzzing around, and I actually took a little video of it. It was really very interesting to watch it work. Very focused on what it was doing, did its thing, went from plant to plant, and then it was off. And uh, I just, I, it, it was really kind of interesting for me to keep looking back at that video well, that, you know, that expression, they're as busy as bees. It's mm -hmm. just amazing. If you just think of all the work that they do and the benefits that we get from all the products that they produce from us, it's absolutely just amazing to watch them go in and pull pollen or pull the, the nectar from the flower and fly away and come back and do it again so, so many times a day and throughout their, their very short lifespan. Well, that's a good segue into discussing the products then. And you, you probably said something that was just second nature to you, but in all honesty, it came up in, um, uh, with a client that I was talking to about honey. And he seemed to, he, uh, you can educate me on this too. He asked me the difference between sort of the cream honey and the liquid honey. And um, his opinion was more that the cream honey is more of a natural product. Is that actually the case? Well, no, we actually take cream honey. Or so, so liquid honey is what we call a very runny product, right. liquid. And then what we do is we actually take the liquid and we actually put it in a great big vat. And inside this vat, actually a stainless steel vat holds about 600 pounds at a time. Through the center of the vat are paddles, much like a blender. And what we've done is we've actually added what we call some pre-creamed honey or what we call seed honey. We pour that in there and we actually paddle or mix this honey. And what it does by infusing it with air and the speed of it, it actually thins out the honey. 
So exactly the same honey as liquid honey. We pour it in these containers and then we chill it. And by chilling it, it sets it up so it gives it that creamy texture or that little bit thicker texture. Any difference in um, health benefits? Same thing. Absolutely the same. Some people like the idea of it being very runny and liquid, and some people like the idea of it being creamed and thicker to spread on the toast. Oh, so just, just a presentation idea. Just the presentation idea. I always don't like to word the, use the word processing because then, you know, comes some negative things with that. But it actually is just processed. It's actually just whipped. Okay, so no difference in health benefits. So that's that question put to bed. So that's, that's good whatever, for me to know. Exactly. Whatever you like best, whether it's liquid or creamed. And let's start listing the health benefits of, of honey. If you can give us sort of a broad overview of that and really give people a sense that it's far, far more than just a sweet treat. Well, you know, honey is, is a natural product, so it surpasses uh, any white sugars that we think that we want to we wanna use. And then honey, um, whether it's, um, you know, a wildflower honey it, uh, or a buckwheat honey, it contains all the important vitamins and nutrients. Um, so overall, it's just a real, uh, honey is just a real health benefit, period. It also contains um, strains of good bacteria, correct? Well, what happens is honey actually is um, a very good idea to take when you have a sore throat or whatever. It will actually remove the bacteria or the bad bacteria in your throat. You've got a bad cough, it'll coat the, the back of the throat down the esophagus to, to, to quell or to calm that, that dry cough or whatever. So lots not it, honey has great important vitamins and nutrients with it. They're just finding that there's more and more health benefits. That's actually what Alex said he does. He, he has honey when he's not feeling well. Yeah, that's right. I, I, that's the other time that I enjoy, enjoy having honey. It just helps with, soothe the throat, as Sandy was saying, and it's very helpful. Yes, yes. Now, if you heat that honey, you know, you put it into tea or something, does that detract from some of its uh, nutrients or... Is it no, not, not really. What happens is as we heat honey over that 200 degree, um, then we're starting to lose some of the nutritional value. Um, but, you know, inside the hive, the temperature inside the hive and how they, they turn the nectar into honey, it's always at a 94 degree temperature. So we say that's why I keep honey just in the cupboard. You know, they're, they're, they're capping it or they're capping that ne- nectar once they've turned it in from nectar to liquid at 94 degrees. So keep honey warm. Keep honey in the shelf on the, on the kitchen counter. The, the bees make the hive at that uh, 94 degrees? Yep, the bees will maintain the hive and the moisture of the honey. And what we do is when we say the word cap, they'll actually bring in this liquid nectar and they'll fan that nectar to reduce the moisture count and the heat. And once it reaches a 94 degrees, they'll actually cap it. Fascinating. They'll put a very thin layer of beeswax over top so it doesn't ooze or spill out throughout the hive. Wow. It's just amazing, the process, eh, Alex? It's just, you know, to hear about it is fascinating. It is very, very fascinating. Self-regulated little life going on in the hive. Absolutely. Isn't it amazing? I can I can talk forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just, well, we talked before the show and, it, you know, it was, it, it, I just, I do. It's really something that I, I really would like to learn more about. Now, can honey go bad? Well, honey's one of the foods that we can say will never go bad. I mean, they found honey in the tombs so many, many, many years ago. They, uh, but then the natural thing is that honey acts like a um, hydrogen peroxide. So any open wounds or cuts will seal. So honey by itself is an antibacterial liquid or a fluid. 
Well, there's a product that I, I recommend that contains honey um, to some of the cancer patients that I work with for, you know, open sores or around the mouth, and it seems to work like a charm. And, uh, you know, I, for whatever reason, I just didn't recommend actual honey. Um, it's always the products that I'm recommending. But, uh, you know, it, it, again, taking a step back and understanding the value of these products, I, I don't know why I just didn't say, you know, put a little bit of honey on the wound and see how that works. Well, it's all a learning process. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many beautiful things that honey can do for us. It's just learning and educating ourselves. That's it. I mean, you know, we're going to talk about the products of the hive. So honey is like one of many products that the bees um, collect that we get the, the benefits of eating. But, you know, when I just talked to you a few minutes ago about the capping, the worker bees have special glands that actually produce beeswax. And so when they collect the nectar and fill the cell with nectar, they cap it with beeswax. And we get to keep all of that beeswax when we're extracting. And then we'll clean that beeswax, and we actually make our own beeswax candle here. Um, okay, so all right, so the, it gets put in a little tube, the nectar, it's capped. You use the beeswax for candles. What else? These other products like bee propolis. Uh, bee pollen, all these other things. Yep. So what propolis is or what the the healing benefits of propolis is, the bees actually collect uh, the the resin and the saps from certain tree buds. And what they'll do is they'll actually coat the inside of the hive. So the natural properties for the um, uh, propolis is that it's antiviral, it's antifungal, it's anti-inflammatory. And so for that alone, we can use that propolis in a form of a time when we're feeling sick, bacterial infection, uh, antifungal, um, anti-inflammatory. So that's another product, propolis, um, that we have the benefits of using and the natural ingredients that are found in propolis. Do you also collect bee pollen? Pollen, pollen. So when the bees are out collecting the nectars and the pollens, they actually bring such a surplus of pollen back. And so what we do is we get to keep and collect the pollen. So pollen actually is always been considered one of the only known foods to contain all of our amino acids that our body requires on a daily basis, along with some certain vitamins and minerals. So people say, why do you take bee pollen? Well, you would take bee pollen for absolute um, overall um, benefits, uh, health benefits. Energy, so forth? So how do you you collect all this stuff? Do you have to disassemble the hive? Well, this is all part of the hive. So the the pollen is there's actually a special drawer that's part of the hive component and they will come in and the pollen will sit or drop into the drawer and we'll collect it and then we uh, we package it as we need it as we ship it out to the stores and or to sell in our retail store. So can there be organic honey? Well, you, I think you and I had this conversation a little bit ago. I'll tell you a little story. I, my bees, I have 35 hives on an organic apple orchard. And one of the questions I get is, how come your honey doesn't say organic on the label? And my answer to that is, well, that's a pretty fine line to call it totally organic honey because six miles down the road or three miles down the road, you know, I have um, rose bushes, sunflowers, daisies, and my bees get to visit that, you know, they're okay with six acres of blossoms, but they want more. So, you know, I can't label my honey as organic. 
there, there's certain rules for organic, and unfortunately, here being a, a, an agricultural hub, there's a very fine line as to the the amount of area that has to be non-pesticide, um, non non-neonicotinoid uh, area that we can actually uh, call organic. And then, how would you stop the bees from going to other? Farms. Well, well, you just can't. You know, yeah. I always, I can't. Unfortunately, put a leash on the bees. Keep control. They're going to fly wherever they want to fly. And if they don't like the six acres of apple blossoms, they can fly just to the door, the neighbor next door, and and uh, hop on some of their bee balm or lavender or whatever they've got in their garden. So yeah, it's 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 a tricky it's a tricky situation. Do can people hire out hives, or is this actually a part of your business model to put hives? You said you have some on apple orchards. Do farmers um, ask you to place hives onto their farms for them? Yeah. So what Dickie Bee has is contracts with uh, farmers that have crops that need pollination. And, and so what we've done is we actually leave our hives there. So it's a win-win for us. Uh, we give the farmers some honey. That's our rent for putting our letting our bees collect such good nectar. So for us, we um, just have a relationship with the farmers and put our apiary or our beehives where they need pollination, and it stays there. And then, do you come and take care of them, or do they? Um... No, we do. You do. Yep, yeah, we do. Um, it's all of our responsibility to go make sure that we're maintaining our hives wherever the location is. Okay. Now. I've been, you know, in, in doing some uh, work for the show, I came across, well, I've come across people that's, that know people that are putting hives on their own property. Um, I've, I've seen one company that will go and you can rent hives and, and you're, and I don't know how much of the product, you get all the honey that that hive will make. I don't know if they go as deep as doing the propolis um, or the bee pollen. But are these viable, do you think? Are they beneficial well, you know, one of the things that we've seen is we've definitely seen an increase in our to our workshops um, for just people that just want one hive, you know, to help out with the, the honeybee population and to be sustainable to supply their own family with these own products coming from the hive, and that's great. But in the same hand, I see a lot of people that be- want to become beekeepers, but they can't place a hive anywhere. They live in uh, a suburb. You know, they don't have farmland or whatever. So I think by becoming uh, an opportunity, that, because there's an opportunity to go rent a hive, um, and it costs you some money, but, you know, that's good. You get the benefits of it, and then somebody else maintains the hive. I think that's a good alternative if you can't come and get a hive and put it on your own property and look after yourself. So great alternative. Does it take a lot of education to make and maintain your own hive? Like I say, next season I wanted to put a beehive on my property. Do I need to do a lot of pre-work or prep for that? Well, I think that when you're armed with any education, because it's a big responsibility, you know, as a beekeeper, you're there to make sure that you maintain and to look after that hive so that they can do everything they need to do. So there's lots of places that carry, you know, workshops, a day workshop, two-day workshops. You're not going to learn everything at once, um, but it's a really good idea to at least at, uh, maintain, uh, go and attend one of these workshops first to find out what your jobs are going to be and then from there if you really are keen on it then I say go for it put a hive out and and go for it 
um, for anybody that we teach, we maintain to be a mentor for them. We help them through the season, each season, um, to make sure that we can assist with their first or second year as a beekeeper. And then after that, they're pretty well good to, to carry on themselves. And most of them will increase from one to two hives because they've enjoyed it so much. And how much honey can you get from a hive? Uh, pardon, Kathy? How much honey can you get from one hive? Well, usually a super. When I call it, when I use that word super, there's mm-hmm. two different sizes. There's a super medium box or a super deep box. In a medium box, you'll get about 40, 45 pounds of honey. In a deep box, oh. you can get anywhere to 75 to 80. So, again, you know, one hive. Um, this year hasn't been a great year for honey because of it being very cold and damp. So the honey yields would be down, but a hive... Um, we can have one super or we can have six supers on it, just depending on where it's located and, and what they're getting uh, foraging. Weather conditions always play a huge role in, in um, honey yields as well. The one hive is definitely enough for a family. Where can we buy your products? Well, Dickie Bee Honey, one of the things that we're very proud of is that we're um, in a lot of big grocery stores now, Sobeys, Zares, No Frills, um, Loblaws. So if you go on our website, you can certainly see where we are in the big grocery stores. But we have great uh, appreciation for some of the smaller stores that have uh, at, that have given Dickie Bee Honey the opportunity to uh, put some of our products on the shelf. So we're all the way up as far as French River and as far west as uh, Kitchener-Waterloo. Okay, great. So, yeah, we span quite a bit. Maybe you could give us, uh, our listeners, a, a tip of the day. We wrap up the show with a tip of the day. Um, something around what we've talked about, that would be great. Well, I think the tip of the day is, um, you know, maybe talk to your doctor again um, the next time you have a really bad cold or a sore throat. Why don't you try, it, try a teaspoon of your local honey from a local beekeeper? And I'm sure that you'll be very pleased with the results. But supporting a local farm... Um, just allows us to continue to do what we hopefully think that we're doing best. Awesome. Thank you very much, Sandy, and thank you for joining us today. You can go to the Dickie Bee website. It's www.dickiebeehoney.com. They're located in Cookstown. Sandy's a very easy person to talk to and get a hold of up there, and if you have any questions, I'm sure she she or some of her staff would be more than happy to help you. And do, you know, if you're, if you're in the area, if you're in the Ontario area, you know, and have the opportunity to visit her place, as I fully intend on doing, do so it's a fascinating world the world of bees so again sandy thank you very much thank you everybody for joining us on the health hub and we will talk to you next week been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.